Hey guys, WFAN the Kid here, and today I am going to be doing a podcast on college basketball. It is that time. It is the beginning of March, the most exciting time, in my opinion, in all of college sports. What is probably the greatest tournament, we are only a couple of weeks away from the March Madness tournament, and the madness has already begun. We're already into the conference tournaments that are so important for so many of the mid-major schools, so many of those less recognized schools that have a chance to make the tournament, even if you've had a terrible year. If you play well enough in March and if you can win your tournament, and even if you're in some of the bigger conferences, if you're winning games now, there's bubble teams, some of my teams are bubble teams, that are fighting for their... um bids into the tournament without having to win their conference. So it's a very exciting time, and today I'm going to be walking y'all through the four conferences that I follow the most closely. Now two of them are pretty well known up there conferences, two of them are kind of down-low conferences that aren't really nationally looked at. And I'm going to be giving some of you the backstory on the teams I follow because I don't think I've really done any college basketball podcasts yet. All right, let's jump into the first conference that I very closely follow, and that is the America East Conference. If you are unfamiliar with the America East Conference, there's one main thing you need to know. It is dominated by Vermont. Every year, seemingly, they are the best team They always have the number one seed in the tournament, and they're just good. They're a really, really talented group that seems to be good. They see good players come and go. And, of course, this year they got off to a shaky start. They were 1-2. and I believe they lost two out of their first three conference games. Either way, they won their last 12. They wound up going 14-2 and on... Uh, the year, and finished in first place. And I, they're up there with Gonzaga for the longest national streaks for consecutive regular season conference titles. Just crazy how dominant they've been in the America East. So they're going to be the number one seed. Then after that, it's UMass Lowell, another team that was highly ranked in the conference going into this year. They finished in second. After that, it got really close. Seeds 3 through 7 were separated by two games, and three of those teams were 8-8, eight and eight, and they had to be separated by tiebreakers. Um, my team, of course, forgot to mention that, is Binghamton. I am a Binghamton basketball supporter, mostly because that's where my mom went to college. So I've watched them, followed them pretty closely since 2019. And it's been rough. We were never at the top where usually lucky just to make the playoffs, but one man has changed that. He's changed the culture entirely at Binghamton. Lavelle Sanders. Love him. Love our new coach. And last year we were the sixth seed in the America East Tournament. I believe we were a couple of games under 500. Yeah, I'm looking here. Now we were 8-10. and 10. This year there was fewer conference games because we lost Hartford and Stony Brook. We did game Bryant, so now instead of the 10 teams, it's a 9-team conference, so we play each one twice. That's 16 games. 
finished 508-8. Uh, we did end the season, however, on a four-game losing streak. We were 8-4. and four. We were up there near the top fighting for the number one seed, and then things took a turn for the worse. Those last four games at Vermont at UMass Lowell were two understandable losses. At that point, we were 8-6. and six. Last two games of the year, we uh, hosted Maine, lost to them in OT. Falco had a chance to win it at the free throw line. In the dying seconds of regulation, he missed the front end of the 1-1. One one. That's how we got to overtime, lost in the overtime period. And then again, just a couple nights ago against UMBC, a game that if we had won would have given us the three seed in the tournament out of the eight teams that make it. But instead, we lose in overtime at home again for the second consecutive game to close out the year against UMBC. It's 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 honestly whatever. I'm, I'm just happy that Binghamton's playing good basketball. Of course, these are games that you need to win because seeding in this tournament is vital especially when there's such few teams, and especially when you have to play teams like Vermont. Unfortunately, since Binghamton wasn't able to get the three seed, now if they should win, they're the five seed, by the way, if they should win, pull off the slight upset, they would almost definitely have to play Vermont in the semifinals as opposed to the finals. And not preferable. That's the word I'll use. It's not preferable. A team like Vermont, you want to put off playing them for as long as possible, in my opinion. But yeah, uh, since this tournament is set and the regular season games are done, I did make my own bracket, fill it out, and I'm going to walk through the games with you uh, briefly, because I know I have a lot of conferences to go, and share my predictions. So the first two games of the tournament is number 5 Binghamton at number 4 UMBC. And also, at, that's at 1 o'clock. Also at 1 o'clock is number 6 Bryant at number 3 UNH. Starting off with the Binghamton game, they're going to travel to UMBC. This is a team that they just played. These teams just met a couple days ago in Binghamton. And I have Binghamton winning this game. We saw the exact same situation with Hofstra last year, which I'm about to get into. They played Charleston. And their final game of the regular season last year had swept them. Two games to none. Then when they had to go and verse them in the first round of the tournament to try and get the three games in a row sweep, they failed miserably. It is so hard to beat a team three times when they're an interconference opponent. That is a true rumor, and I experienced that as a Hofstra fan last year. Give me the Binghamton upset in this game. Then the other one, number 6 Bryant at number 3 UNH. These are two teams that were separated by one game. UNH was 9-7. and seven. Bryant lost to Maine on the final game of the year, which is why they're all the way down at 6. Could have been much higher if they had beaten Maine. I I'm going to take Bryant to win this game. They have Doug Eddard. And does that name sound familiar? It should, because he was the leader of that St. Peter's Peacocks team. That shocked everybody and made the Elite Eight last year. I trust him in these huge moments. I trust Bryant. They're a good team that should have finished higher than they did in the standings. They're a better team than their 8-8 eight and eight conference record suggests. They're going to go to New Hampshire and pull off the upset too. Then the next two games, I don't have 
as Crazy Tales number two UMass Lowell is going to host Maine. UMass Lowell is undefeated at home. I think they're going to beat Maine, not by a crazy amount, but because Maine does have a good defense team. They have Tynes, who is up there in the national lead in steals per game. But UMass Lowell, 15-0 at home. I can't think that they're going to start losing now. And then, of course, Vermont, the number one seed. I am going to take them in the first round easily over NJIT. They did have a weird game against NJIT earlier in the year where they went to OT. Not going to happen this time. Vermont's at home. Where they're 10-1 this year, they get the win. The way this tournament works is now into the semifinals. It is reseeded. So the highest seed versus the lowest seed, and then the two teams in the middle will face off higher seed hosts. So the way I have it going is Vermont hosting Bryant in the semifinals. Bryant is a good team, but again, Vermont been dominant for years. They continue to be. They get the win, move on to the finals. That shouldn't surprise anybody. And the other matchup I have being Binghamton going to UMass Lowell. They played at UMass Lowell just a few weeks ago. They kept it close till the very end um, when UMass Lowell kind of pulled away. Again, dominant at home. I think that Binghamton has had a good year. They're looking up. Lavelle Sanders will continue to get them better. Dan Petcash is money from three. Jacob Falco has had a great year. Kind of inconsistent, but he's showed up in big moments. And, and this is going to be a fun team to watch in the coming years, but this is where my Bearcats take the L. In the finals, I have the number one seed, Vermont, and the number two seed, UMass Lowell. I'm taking Vermont. I just don't think there's anybody that can beat them. They're riding on a 12-game win streak. And I think they're going to keep it going, and we're going to see them dancing all the way to the tournament. Alright, that wraps it up for the America East. Now I'm going to go to the second conference that I closely follow, which is the ACC. And the team that I follow in the ACC is Syracuse. Syracuse is a team that I followed, it feels like, forever. Um, when I was a young kid and I had nothing to do on the weekends or on weeknights, and especially in the earlier part, of the season. I just have nothing to do and I'd be bored. So I turn on the TV and there would be Syracuse. And I felt such a pride that there is a New York team in college basketball because whenever you hear about college basketball in the media back then in the late 2010s, it was always Duke this and other teams from the ACC dominating like Virginia Tech up there, Virginia of course. UNC, of course, were incredible. But Syracuse was there, and they were doing incredible things, led by Jim Beheim, incredible coach. I just love the culture. I loved feeling like I'm rooting for a New York team. So I've seen them have some pretty incredible runs, but things have taken a turn down recently. They made the Sweet 16 in the COVID year. Last year, nowhere near as good. Buddy Beheim and his brother, Jimmy Beheim. Uh, two sons of Coach Beheim, <laughs> a lot of Beheims. They could not lead Syracuse to the tournament. They fell short, and it, it, not too memorable of a season last year. This year, it's even worse. I mean, they're nine and ten in the conference. They, the only really memorable one that they've had 
was at home against NC State, where they had just held on at the end to beat, at the time, a ranked NC State. Other than that, they've had no impressive wins. In fact, they just got blown out on the road by one of the conference's worst in Georgia Tech. There's, at this point, no chance of an automatic Syracuse bid. I mean, Hofstra, my other team that I'm going to get to in a little bit, is ranked higher than Syracuse by quite a bit, too. Not even in the top 100 are Syracuse. Uh, I mean, they versed the Demon Deacons, Wake Forest Demon Deacons, this Saturday, and that's kind of a big game. That is going to determine who gets the... Let me do some quick math here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. That's going to determine who takes the number 8 seed in the uh, ACC tournament. If Syracuse wins, this is the only meeting of the season, they'll have the head-to-head tiebreaker. They'll take the 8th seed and they'll verse the 9th seed in the first round of the tournament. Syracuse's only hope to get into the tournament is a methodical run in the tournament, in the ACC tournament. Do I see this happening? No. It would take some Bayhigh magic. The coaching job of the year that would be if he could pull this off. Uh, just a little bit of a dynamic of the Syracuse team if you don't follow. Joseph Gerard is has been here for quite a while. He's our main guy. JG3, as I love to call him. Great three-point shooter. He could spot up from anywhere. Uh, good. He could drive to the basket, too. Good free-throw shooter. Just a really good guard to have. Maybe he'll go undrafted in the NBA. I think he's good enough. And then the other notable talent would be Judamitz, our freshman, one of the best freshmen in the nation. Forget the ACC. In the nation. He is competing with Filipowski for the rights to freshman of the year in the ACC. And... Experts say he could already be leaving us for the draft this year, and I'm going to have to put my foot down and say no. Judah Mintz, especially lately, has shown up big for Syracuse. He's a great scorer. I'm not denying that, but there's little things that he is not ready. There's little things that show me that he's not ready for the NBA. He plays at the end. He squanders the ball sometimes. Um, You know, turnovers, too much turnovers. Late free throws, there's been some of those that he's missed, and in general, free throws, got to get those up, important part of the game. And the other thing is, I think he's just a little too comfortable. And, and no, it's good that he's comfortable, it's good that he's a freshman and Jim Beheim has all this confidence in him, and he he acts like the leader a little bit too much. I think sometimes he's a bit of a ball hog, needs to be kind of a more team-oriented player, you know? look to pass sometimes. I think he would really benefit, and I know some other people agree with me, that he would benefit from returning to Syracuse next year. And as a Syracuse fan, Judamans, please come back. We need you. And anyway, looking at the tournament dynamics, nothing is set yet. Looking at the top of the table, there's three 14 and 5 teams. There's Virginia, who has fallen down. Um, Kihei Clark is their leader. We versed them two times, Syracuse did. Lost both times. They're a good team. They have a great defense, especially at home. They don't like to let you score much. One notable loss is they lost to Boston College. Shocking loss where they lost by double figures, I think it was. And that's taken them out of what looked like a sure first place ride for them. Now they're competing with Miami and Pittsburgh for the title. Then there's also... 
Duke, who's gone on a run here to win five in a row, they went from kind of being on the bubble to most likely out to definitely solidifying a spot in the tournament. Uh, UNC is another bubble team to keep an eye on. They've done better. They've won three consecutive games. They have two incredible guys, Bakett and Love. Love to see those two cook. They are, they're, they're just wild. Especially Bakett. The numbers that he puts up are just insane. And I think they're better than the 11-8 and record says. Going into the season, they were highly regarded up near better than anybody towards the beginning of the year. They were like, some people thought they were the best team in the nation. I think they're a team that's done enough to get into the tournament. As you go lower, not much to say. Some teams that don't do much. I will say some sleeper teams that could do upsets in the ACC tournament. Not to win it all, but upset some higher seeds. Florida State has had some crazy moments. Virginia Tech can never count them out. We saw what they did last year going all the way to the ACC Finals. And Boston College. Just beat Virginia. Just beat Wake Forest. They've won three in a row. They were 6-10, and ten, now 9-10 and ten in the conference. They'll fight for their rights to be 500. And that's that's a big step. They're a, they're a team that has slept on that could do some things in March. Alright, that's going to wrap it up for the ACC. And let's, let's move on to the next conference, which is the Big Ten Conference. A lot to say about this conference. Okay, now in the Big Ten, my team is the Penn State Nittany Lions. Historically, not a great basketball team. We haven't been dancing in about a decade, having gone to the tournament in a while. Could change this year. Penn State is sitting at 9-10 and 10 in the conference. They're just above the bottom four spots. The bo- How it works in the Big Ten tournament, similarly to the ACC tournament, is the bottom four spots have to play on the first day of the tournament. We want to avoid that. Because I think to get into the tournament, we're going to need at least one upset win here from the Nittany Lions. Beat a higher seed, or at least show- do a very good showing against a higher seed. Right now, we're above that line. Wisconsin, we're just half a game ahead of them. They take on Purdue tonight. And really want Purdue to win this one, so give us a little distancing between us and Wisconsin. Wisconsin swept us this year. Yes, they did. Hepburn, who is Wisconsin's most lethal player, he just balled out, especially in the game that was in Penn State. I mean, I don't know what else much I can say, but they're they're a good team, and I think they've done enough to make the tournament. They're a bubble team, as are we. And thing about Penn State is they started the year, I believe it was 5-6 and six in the Big Ten, and then they went on a slide. They had lost three games in a row, I think it was. No, four games in a row, sorry. We started 4-5, and five, then we lost four games in a row. But they're hot now. Oh, yes, they are. They've won four out of five games, and in that span, I'm going to tell you the teams that they've beat. They beat Illinois, who, which was a quad one opportunity. We swept Illinois, who's been a dominant team this year. They're 14-2 and at home. One of those two losses is because of us, okay? That is huge. Others were against Ohio State and Minnesota, both on the road. And last night, what might be my favorite game of the season and in my life as a Penn State fan, 
beating Northwestern on the road. They are a feel-good story, a team that's never had much success, fighting for the top of the Big Ten this year, led by Boo Booey. Well, he has a fun name, Boo Booey. I always thought that. And they, they were crazy. They're, they're a crazy good team. They're going to do good things in March Madness. I have them going to the Sweet 16. And we beat them. We came back, had a chance to win it at the end of regulation. Andrew Funk was looking for his 4-3 of the game. Didn't get it to go. Very similar deja vu kind of situation in overtime. It was a tie game. We had the ball. Put up a shot that we missed with six seconds to go. Mahaffey with the key rebound kicked it back out to Pickett. We went around the world and found Cameron Winter in the corner. He synced the game-winning three. He put it in. That dagger shot got us the W. And I was going absolutely crazy. My neighbors, they would tell you I was going absolutely crazy. This was late game, late at night. Wow. Cameron Winter for Penn State has been so good as of late. He is one guy, the one guy on Penn State that's been to the tournament with Drexel when they were in the tournament a couple of years ago. And yeah, I think that Penn State has done enough to make the tournament this year. Looking at all of our quad one wins, we beat Michigan, we beat Indiana, we beat Northwestern on the road, we beat Iowa, Illinois times two, and, yeah, I, if that's not a resume, I don't know what is. Of course, as I mentioned before, Purdue is playing Wisconsin tonight. Purdue has been the dominant team in the Big Ten. They have slipped a little bit lately. Okay, they've not been as dominant as they should be. They've lost to Indiana in their most recent game. They were defeated by Maryland and Northwestern, which were back-to-back losses, something you almost never see. They had, I mean, Rutgers is their kryptonite. We all know that. But looking at these last six games for them, four of them have been losses. Swept by Indiana. It's, it's not great. They're still going to be a number one seed. I think they've done enough. Zach Eadie's going to still should be player of the year. He, he's unstoppable. And I could tell you he's going to be a problem in the NBA. And yeah, Michigan's up there near the top. They're a tough team, team that we went toe-to-toe with and beat. I mean, I'm looking right now at the top four seeds out of these 14 Big Ten teams. Three of them Penn State have beat. So Joe Lenardi, I mean, you, you should have them in at least your last four and right now after last night. Huge game for Penn State against Maryland this Sunday. That'll close out the regular season. If we beat Maryland... I'm telling you, there's a strong chance we're going dancing. If we lose to Maryland, we'll finish 9-11 and in the Big Ten. And that leaves it up in the air. It's going to take something, at least a win. If we do lose to Maryland, it's going to take at least one win in the Big Ten tournament to get us there. But hey, we're alive. After last night, Nittany Nation is alive. As for some sleeper teams in the Big Ten tournament that could pull off some upsets... Rutgers. Don't count Rutgers out. They may not be a fantastic team on the road, but they're good. We just saw them come back from a huge, about 20-point deficit against Penn State at home. They're a team to be reckoned with. And I have one more 
sleeper team. Actually, two more. Sorry. Penn State. My Penn State is a sleeper team. Incredible three-point shooting team. We lead the Big Ten in that. We're up there in terms of the nation in three-point shooting. We might not have a lot of size, but what we, what we have is speed and athleticism. And we beat you not with our bigs, but with our guards. Micah Shrewsbury, I love love that guy. Love Micah. Great coach. Jalen Pickett, who's going to be first team all Big Ten. Just a great player. He's they He is the only guy to have scored, I forget the exact number, 70 points. I think it was 15 rebounds, 10 assists over a two-period game, something like that. Him, Curry, LeBron were the three players to do that. I'm sorry, but as a Penn State fan, I'm never going to stop bragging about that, that he is on a list that the only two other people on there are LeBron and Curry. And that's just, I'm just saying, Penn State has a really good player in him in Pickett. Had a triple-double this year, which was incredible to see. Had a 40-point game earlier in the year. Just a great player that could lead us to upsetting some teams. And my final team that could be a sleeper is Nebraska. They were hot. They had won four in a row before dropping their most recent game. They're in the bottom three in this tournament, but don't count them out. They are a crazy team. They could pull off a big surprise. And uh, I appreciate you if you've listened this long. We're over 25 minutes in. As we move to the final conference that I follow and my favorite conference of all, which is the Colonial Athletic Association, the CAA. And if you know me, this is probably one that you know I'm a fan of, Hofstra. My dad went to Hofstra, and I followed them since 2018, since, I guess, Wright Foreman's last year, and it's been incredible. Every year, we are competing. We're near the top of the conference. Great basketball program that I think should get more national attention than it does. And I think after what we've done this year, we may finally be getting it. We have won 11 straight games. 11 straight games, yes, that's right. And 15 out of our last 16. This is a hot team. One of the hottest there is in the nation. There's not many that have a bigger win streak than 11 right now. And that is not easy to do, because this is the first year that I can personally remember that there is a CAA team that was ranked. Charleston, 28-3. and they finished the year, and they had a 20-game win streak that saw them moving all the way up to 18 in the nation. And as a CAA supporter that follows this conference diligently, it shocked me to see one of our teams kind of putting our conference on the map, that we had a team in our conference that we're going to verse that's ranked. And that moment did come for Hofstra. Big game on the road in Charleston. We took care of business beat a ranked team for the third time in our history, and that was a night to celebrate. That was absolutely incredible. And, yeah, I'm just going to talk a little bit now about the dynamics of Hofstra, what we have to offer. Aaron Estrada, back-to-back CAA Player of the Year, couldn't be more proud of him and what he's given to this team. He He's on his way to the NBA, in my opinion, whether it's drafted, whether he doesn't get drafted, He's somebody that should be on team's radars. He's good enough. And I hope he could lead us to great things. 
And there's also Tyler Thomas, who has been definitely Hofstra's number two guy after Estrada. Another prolific scorer, great shooter, fantastic shooter, and he scores in bunches. There's times where he'll get hot in the first half, in the first ten minutes. Heck, I think in our first game of the year, he scored like the first nine points for our team. Maybe Actually, I think it might have been the first nine points of the game. He's somebody that can get hot quickly, spot-up shooter, also drives to the basket. And one more guy that I want to point out is Jaquan Carlos. He is an unconventional guard for us. He is not the guy that looks to take the shot. He's very unselfish, great passer, and he also rebounds. This is not a tall guy. This is not a tall guy at all, but he rebounds, sacrifices his body, draws some charges. I mean, he is very versatile, and he's someone that Hofstra is lucky to have. And he had earlier in the year a double-double with assists and rebounds. And I think that definitely highlights what he's capable of, the different talents that he possesses that the average point guard does not. And because of Hofstra's 11-game winning streak and beating Charleston, particularly beating Charleston, we have the edge over them, and we have the number one seed in the CAA tournament. So looking to real exciting things from that. Um, Charleston and Hofstra kind of been the two teams to talk about in this conference. And not really anybody else that I'm going to talk about. I mean, as a sleeper team, I do have Stony Brook. We reversed Stony Brook on the road. Not an easy team to play. And they are without some of their better players. So they are going to be challenging in the coming years in the CAA. They're going to be a team that's in the top four. Maybe even vying for the number one seed in the tournament. Regular season champions. Could happen. But even as they are, they're a dangerous team. Um, and since the CAA like the America East, is finished. I also drew up a bracket for the CAA that I'm going to be going through with all of you. And we start this tournament tomorrow. Tomorrow it begins with the 12th seed, Hampton, versus the 13th seed, Monmouth. I have Hampton winning this game. Hampton is a team that I've seen go toe-to-toe with some teams. They were versing Charleston, and they got off to an early lead and kept it for a large part of that game. And when they lost, it wasn't by all that much. It was single digits. So they're, they're a team that I think could edge out Monmouth, who's also not very good. And the way it works is the winner of that game is going to be playing the 5-seed Drexel. So in the second round, which we'll see on Saturday, we're going to see 5 versus 12, 11 versus 6, 10 versus 7, and 9 versus 8. So, yeah, going into the Saturday games, we'll start off with 8 and 9. I have the 8 seed, William & Mary, uh, knocking off Elon. Elon is a good team. They're a young team. And I think that they definitely got better as the season progressed. Got some interesting wins there. They finished with 6 wins. They didn't do too well against the upper tier teams, but they were able to beat the teams like William & Mary... They were able to beat Stony Brook, who's not an easy team. And I think the most notable win of all, even though they didn't finish as high as they would have liked to, Drexel, coming off a win over Charleston, you'd think they'd be all energized and hyped up, but no. Elon shocked them and kind of destroyed them. 
but I just think William and Mary is too composed of a unit to give it up to them, so I'm going to go with William and Mary. Then the 12th seed, Hampton, who I have winning on Friday, so they're going to be coming off a back-to-back against the 5 seed, Drexel. I'm going with Drexel. Even though they've been crazy inconsistent this year, they have 10 wins in the CAA, and that's not easy to do. Only 5 of the 13 teams have a winning record in this conference. So, they're one of the good ones. I think they're going to be able to beat Hampton. North Carolina A&T. Man, I am still a little bit unhappy with how they beat Hofstra. Not happy with the officiating too much in that game. That's a story for another day. I'm taking Stony Brook to beat them. Like I said, Stony Brook is a sleeper team. They have... Oh my god. What is his name? The guy that I'm forgetting so good. Uh, Paul... Policelli, yes. Policelli leads them. He's very good. And also, TSM, Tyler Stevenson Moore, is a very good player on their team. They're going to pull off the upset, in my opinion. Moving on. Then the 6th seed, Delaware, against Northeastern. Delaware is the defending CAA champion. Hasn't been that kind of year for them this year, only going 8-10. and 10. They did suffer from some injuries, though, midway of the season, which kind of the reason why. Now that they're healthy... They're a much more dangerous team, and I think they will make easy work of Northeastern. So then, we move on to Sunday, which is the quarterfinals. Hofstra, my Hofstra, taking on William & Mary. The one meeting we had against William & Mary this season, we beat them on the road relatively comfortably. It should be no surprise that I'm rolling with the pride. Then, Drexel and University of North Carolina Wilmington. I remember these two teams went to OT. Later in the year, UNCW eked out the win. And I think they do it again. UNCW is a dangerous team. And like I said, Drexel is inconsistent. They could lose or beat anybody, honestly, but I don't think they're going to get the better of UNCW. Then Stony Brook and Charleston. While Stony Brook is a good team, and I think they're a sleeper team, Maybe if they were reversing Drexel or Delaware or somebody, I would have had them winning. But to go and beat the Charleston Cougars, who are 28-3, and would be too outlandish. I have Charleston moving on. Delaware and Towson. This is the matchup, in my opinion, of the quarterfinals. I think it's going to be fantastic, very close. And the one difference maker, Nicholas Timberlake, who's... Towson's guy. He is the go-to guy. They would not be here without him. And I think he propels them on to the semifinals. So I do have 1, 2, 3, and 4 moving on to the semifinals. And I'll make it simple. I have the matchup that all of us have been waiting to see again happening in the finals. And that's Hofstra and Charleston. I think Hofstra beats UNCW. I think the Cougars beat Towson as they did two times this year. And in the finals, I think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be close, just like it was down in Charleston. Except this time, Charleston does not have their crowd behind them. And I'm taking my Hofstra pride. I'm rolling with them. I can't justify giving Charleston this win. Because Charleston, even though they've been so good, to me... They don't have a standout player that's as good as Aaron Estrada. Yes, they have Berzovich. Yes, they have Bolin. 
But neither of those guys is the man himself, Aaron Estrada. Aaron Estrada is Mr. Midrange. There's too many things to take into consideration when versing not only Aaron Estrada, but this whole Pride team. They do so many things well. Defensively, they're so good. They had a stretch where they held teams to under 60 points for, I think, 6 out of 7 games. And then offensively, they can explode. They're one of the best teams in the CIA, certainly, in terms of offensive efficiency. Great free throw um, efficiency. Difference makers like Jay Juan Carlos, who do the little things that you often take for granted. This is a special Hofstra Pride team led by Speedy Claxton. And we should have been dancing in 2020. I mean, we would have been if it wasn't for COVID. This is our year. This is Hofstra's year. They're going to get the job done in the tournament. And I think we're going to see them there in March Madness. <sighs> yeah. It's going to be fun. March is crazy. So many things to look forward to. And thank you for listening to this podcast where I really want to go kind of in-depth on what's gone on this year with some of my college teams, why I'm a fan of them, and what I hope to see from them going down the stretch here. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. As always, I'm WFAN the Kid.